Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we're on episode 149, Don't Even Dabble on the Dark Side. Thank you for tuning in. We have spent quite a bit of time walking through the interactions between King Saul and the future king of Israel, King David. And if you need some background, you can go back and listen to previous episodes. We've been walking our way through 1 Samuel for the last few months. And as we've walked through that, we've seen King Saul. We've seen King Saul and just how unstable the man is. So King Saul was not someone who had a tight relationship with God. He is someone that God chose per the request of the Israelites. God chose him to be the first king of Israel. But Saul was not in any way prepared and neither were the people prepared to have a king even though they thought that's what they needed. And Saul did have his moments in the early years. He did do some things right. He he tried to clean house of getting rid of people from the dark side, as we're talking about today. He did not only work as commander initially and did a good job against the Philistines, who were their main enemies, but he also did some house cleaning and got rid of mediums and and different people who dabbled or dove into the dark side but as time went on Saul became so enamored with his own voice and with his own agenda and when God would speak directly to him or specifically usually through the prophet Samuel Saul chose not to do what God had commanded him to do and when that would happen it didn't go well for Saul or for the Israelites. And the thing is, Saul became so focused on David. So David, known to many of us as the young man who God used to slay Goliath. But David ended up becoming the commander of Saul's army. David became a best friend to Saul's son, Jonathan. And David always, always, always honored Saul. Even when Saul was chasing him, trying to kill him, David always honored Saul. This week will be our first week in quite some time where we haven't seen David in the storyline. Very soon we'll see David in the storyline pretty much every every week for I don't know, next year or two, maybe. But this week we're talking about Saul. And so Saul had been told specifically what he was supposed to do. In a particular battle, he had been told that he was to fully clean house. And he also had, instead of waiting on Samuel to arrive, which he knew that he was going to arrive, but Samuel didn't arrive in the amount of time that Saul thought 
he should, he decided to take matters into his own hands. And that's when God finally just, just shook, shook his proverbial head and said, Saul, you are done. And so Saul became so focused on David that more than one time, Saul would take his entire elite troops, about 3,000 men, just to go chase one man. And they would leave Israel unprotected. Like he was so out of focus. And so for a person who had been so bent on not doing what God told him to do, it makes today's story that much more ironic that he becomes so focused on he has got to have a word from God. And we will follow along and just see how wrong that does go. And I want you, as you think about this particular lesson today, I want you to go ahead and begin to ask God. This is the weekly assignment feature, but I want you to go ahead and begin to ask God. Ask the Lord to reveal to you any areas of your life which are portals for evil to obtain a stronghold in your life. We are talking about the dark side. That is what we're talking about this specific week. But it doesn't just mean when you decide to dabble in something that is specifically that there are evil spirits attached if you dabble in pornography, that is still dabbling in the dark side. So I just wanted to say that at the very beginning because I would like you to be praying, praying that God will show you any, any places where you have left the door open for Satan to be able to grab hold. So we're in 1 Samuel 28. So 1 Samuel 28 begins, About that time, the Philistines, who were the main enemies of Israel at that time, about that time, the Philistines mustered their armies for another war with Israel. King Achish told David, you and your men will be expected to join me in battle. And this is David's only at the very beginning here because David was living inside of Philistine territory. And we talked about that in previous lessons. Very well, David agreed. Now you will see for yourself what we can do. Then Achish told David, I will make you my personal bodyguard for life. So here we have, we've had Saul, who was so focused on trying to kill David, that now David is the personal bodyguard for the Philistine commander. Like, this is just whacked out. But now we pick up this story in verse 3. Meanwhile, Samuel had died, and we had seen this already in the text, and all Israel had mourned for him. He was buried in Ramah, his hometown, and Saul had banned from the land of Israel all mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. So at some point during Saul's reign, he had done the right thing, just as God's scripture had ordained. And we will look at some of those Old Testament scriptures here in just a little bit goes on to say the Philistines set up their camp at Shunem and Saul gathered all the army of Israel and camped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the vast Philistine army, he became frantic with fear. He asked the Lord 
what he should do, but the Lord refused to answer him, either by dreams or by sacred lots or by the prophets. And so I'm going to stop right there. God doesn't keep talking to people who are not planning to listen and obey. And that's exactly what's going on here. Saul wants Saul wants God to be like a genie in a bottle where he can just come to him and he can get the inside scoop, but he doesn't have to do what God says. God's not playing. Like God is the God of the universe. And Saul, Saul is wanting this to be more like a cafeteria style where he can pick and choose what he does. I ask you, is that how you approach God? Is it that you truly love him and you truly have accepted him as Lord of your life and live each day accordingly? Or is it that you are pursuing God only when you are fearful? Only when you don't think you can handle it on your own. So, verse 7, Saul then said to his advisors, find a woman who is a medium so I can go and ask her what to do. His advisors replied, there is a medium at Endor. So obviously when he cleaned house and got rid of all of the mediums, he hadn't done a good job and his own advisors knew how to find one easily. That's not, that doesn't, that doesn't bode well. So verse 8, so Saul disguised himself by wearing ordinary clothing instead of his royal robes. Then he went to the woman's home at night, accompanied by two of his men. I have to talk to a man who has died, he said. Will you call up his spirit for me? Are you trying to get me killed, the woman demanded. You know that Saul has outlawed all the mediums and all who consult the spirits of the dead. Why are you sending a trap for me? But Saul took an oath in the name of the Lord and promised, as surely as the Lord lives, Nothing bad will happen to you for doing this. Like, seriously, the, Saul has no respect for God and his power. Not only does he not do what he is told, but he now is claiming, as surely as the Lord lives, nothing bad will be happened to you for doing this. He has no right. He has no power, none whatsoever. So verse 11 says, finally, the woman said, well, whose spirit do you want me to call up? Call up Samuel, Saul replied. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, you've deceived me. You are Saul. So we all know that in modern times, a good portion of those who claim to be psychics or mediums, they're just shysters. They, they're just con men and women. There are some, though, that in their attempts to call up the dead, the deceased loved one, they are dabbling with evil spirits or they've totally sold out to evil spirits. It would appear that this lady is not used to getting someone who really talks to her in this way. I mean, look how much she is freaked out. And... The way scripture is set up, there are things that are described and then there are things that are prescribed. And this is not something that's prescribed. 
This is not something that we are to do. And we're going to see that in other scriptures throughout scripture. We're going to see that we are not to attempt to talk with deceased. We are not to go to mediums. We are not to go to sorcerers. We're not to go anywhere near. But God chooses in this rare, very rare occasion to speak to Saul through Samuel. Had to be a very weird experience for Samuel, for sure. Um, But let's just listen to what he says. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, you've deceived me, you are Saul. Verse 13, don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a God, little G God, coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like? Saul asked. He's an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realized it was Samuel and he fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back? Samuel asked Saul. Because I am in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me, and that part's correct, and won't reply by prophets or dreams, which that part's correct. So I've called for you to tell me what to do. But Samuel replied, why ask me since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done just as he said he would. He's torn the kingdom from you and given it to your rival, David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refused to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites, which is where Saul, Saul goofed up many places, but his big last chance was with the Amalekites and he didn't follow through on all God had said. So then what's more, the Lord will hand you over and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow and you and your sons will be here with me. Whoa. Let me read that again. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me. So where is Samuel? He's in the land of the dead. And just as he says is just as it comes to be. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Verse 20, Saul fell full length on the ground, paralyzed with fright because of Samuel's words. He was also faint with hunger for he had eaten nothing all day and all night. When the woman saw how distraught he was, she said, Sir, I obeyed your command at the risk of my life. Now do what I say. Let me give you a little something to eat so you can regain your strength for the trip back, but Saul refused to eat anything. Then his advisors joined the woman in urging him to eat. So he finally yielded, got up from the ground, and sat on the couch. The woman had been fattening a calf, so she hurried out and killed it. She took some flour, kneaded it into dough, and baked unleavened bread. She brought the meal to Saul and his advisors, and they ate it, and they went out into the night. This is one of the most bizarre stories in all of scripture. And although there are many lessons that we can learn from it, first and foremost, when God tells you something, obey. Because if you if you just try to pick and choose what you do that God tells you to do, you are going to come across the silence of God. He's not a genie in a bottle. That's not how this works. And you don't try to call up the dead. 
you don't go to mediums. You don't, you don't act as a medium. So let's look at some verses. The majority of them are in the Old Testament. And then we will finish up with a story from the life of Jesus. And there are many that have to do, you can see the danger of dabbling in the dark side. And so let's go with it. Leviticus 19.31, do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. Leviticus 20 verse 6, I will also turn against those who commit spiritual prostitution by putting their trust in mediums or in those who consult the spirits of the dead. I will cut them off from the community. Leviticus 20 verse 27, Men and women among you who act as mediums or who consult the spirits of the dead must be put to death by stoning. They are guilty of a capital offense. Isaiah 8, 19, one of my favorites. Someone may say to you, let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask the ask God for guidance? Shouldn't the living seek guidance from the dead? Obviously not. Um, 2 Kings 21, 6 and 2 Chronicles 33, 6 both talk about King Manasseh. So this is exactly where my Sunday school lessons have been over the last few weeks are in this set of verses. So Manasseh was the most evil king of Judah. Judah was the southern kingdom when the kingdom of David and Solomon was divided. Manasseh was evil for the majority of his reign. He is known for being just evil, evil, evil. And by God's grace, God God permitted him, God urged him, God allowed him, however you want to look at it, to make a turn in the last few years of his life. But for the majority of the time, Manasseh was evil. He was evil just like the kings of Israel had been. Every bit of it, every bit of it. So in 2 Kings 21.6, Manasseh also sacrificed his own son in the fire. He practiced sorcery and divination, and he consulted with mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. 2 Chronicles 33.6, Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He practiced sorcery, divination, and witchcraft, and he consulted mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the Lord's sight, arousing his anger. If you haven't figured it out, God considers being a medium, being a psychic, being anyone who deals with the dark stuff, whether it be trying to conjure up spirits of the dead, trying to conjure up demons, whatever it may be, God considers them detestable. And then Josiah, of whom I taught this morning and last week, Josiah is a good and godly king of Judah. He is the grandson of Manasseh. It says, Josiah also got rid of the mediums and psychics, the household gods, the idols, and every other kind of detestable practice, both in Jerusalem and throughout the land of Judah. He did this in obedience to the laws written in the scroll uh, that Hilkiah the priest had found in the Lord's temple, which that's exactly what I taught about this morning was the fact that the priest had found the the law and how overwhelmed Josiah was when he was presented with the law 
and he realized that his ancestors had royally screwed up and that they had made a mess of things and that his own generation had not done the right thing. And when he was convicted of this, he cleaned house. He did what Saul meant to do by cleaning out the mediums, but he really did it. He took care of business. And then the story that I wanted us to read is in Mark 5, 1 through 17. Now, this does not specifically say, do not go to mediums and psychics. That's not what this says. But what we find in this is a demon-possessed man. Well, how did these demons get inside of him? Well, he dabbled in something. We don't know what it was. We don't know if he was a medium, if he was a psychic, if he was an astrologer. We don't know what his deal was. All we know is he is full of demonic presences. That is what God is really pulling on my heart today and has me pulling on yours. Is is there any area of your life that you have opened yourself up that you are inviting evil spirits to be a part of your life? Mark 5, 1 through 17. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in a region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smacked and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again, not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of the 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. And verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. They saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Which that last phrase just hurts my heart. But, like, what happens when you dabble on the dark side? You know, it's possible that this man dabbled. Maybe he started out trying to, you know, consult somebody from the dead. We don't know. 
But what we do know is he was filled with demonic power. Like he was so out of control that chains could not restrain him. So many people think that they can dabble on the dark side, whether it is with dark dark spirits such as Ouija boards or with tarot cards or whether it be calling a psychic hotline or going to some sort of high-cost special event that is this psychic that does all these things. Some people just think it's funny. And again, a lot of it is just fake. There, That's right. There is a lot of it that's fake. But why would anyone who has the Holy Spirit of the living God living inside of them involve herself or himself in anything that celebrates evil? We all know. That does not honor God. We just read multiple scriptures about how serious God is when it comes to trying to consult the dead, messing with evil spirits. Like what has amazed me as I've spent the last year in the book of Mark and then now working my way through the book of Luke are just how many times that Jesus deliver someone who is demon-possessed. I mean, I knew that it was in the Gospels, but I did not realize how many times. And the thing is, Satan can get a stronghold in your life. Whether you are calling the psychic hotline, you are playing with a Ouija board, you are doing something else like witchcraft or anything, anything of the like. Whoops, my microphone just went down. I guess I'm moving around too much. That's not surprising to anybody, probably. Now that I think about it, it might be kind of interesting timing that the microphone went down. I'm asking God just in this very moment to allow me to finish this podcast. In what area of your life are you messing with the dark side? And it could be looking lustfully at your neighbor. It could be a conversation you're having in messenger with somebody you do not need to be talking to. If I were to have a strong spotlight and I were to be able to shine it in the areas of your life that you do not want anyone to see, just imagine that spotlight coming down. Where would you not want me to catch you? What would you be doing? Would you be looking at porn on your phone or computer? Would you be trying to reach out 
in some dark form. What, what is it? My challenge for you this week is to ask the Lord to reveal to you any areas of your life which are portals for evil to obtain a stronghold. A stronghold is an area where Satan has an especially good clinch. Where it's something that you have just allowed him to be able to take his nasty hands and to be able to grip. You know, you think about little kids. And it's one thing, I mean, they're tiny. But the thing is, how many of them can get what feels like a death grip on your hair? or a death grip on your arm, like they, if you allow them the time and the focus, even though they are powerless in comparison to you, they have power in that particular area. What has God shown you today? Where is the Holy Spirit working on you? And let me stop. I know that there can be people on this podcast who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're just trying to figure this out. The thing is, if you are messing with the dark side, you can literally be like this man and be possessed. As a Christian, as someone who has the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of us, we can't be possessed because we are already possessed by the Holy Spirit of the living God. But that does not mean we can't be oppressed. This is serious business. And so many times it's not talked about. So God keeps prompting me and prompting me. Earlier this week, last weekend and this week, I read a book that I read over at least once a year, but usually more than one time. It's a long novel. It is a fictional book, and it's called This Present Darkness by Frank E. Peretti. And that book changes me each and every time that I read it. Again, it is a fictional account, but through the eyes of the author, the readers are reminded of what it could look like in the heavenlies for the heavenly warriors to battle against the prince of darkness and his demons. I encourage you that if this all sounds like science fiction to you, read scripture. Just read the Gospels and see how many times that Jesus cast out the evil spirits. Or look at the writings of Paul as he talks about putting on the full armor of God. And as he does, he talks about the fact that we do not do battle with things that are seen, but things that are unseen. The principalities and powers, like we can't see 
We talked last week about having an eternal perspective, and I thought these two went together so very well because so many times, even Christians get so focused on what they see, as we talked about in last week's episode, they get so focused on what they see that they forget about this entire spiritual realm that it's where the true battle resides. Ephesians 6. Let's look at it. Ephesians 6, starting with verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So many times we just become so involved in our everyday life that we forget that how we win on a daily basis is through prayer and as we prayed last week asking the Lord to help us not to focus on our temporary circumstances, but to help us fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. Since the things I see now will soon be gone and the things I cannot see will last forever. May we be reminded that there is so much going on that is far beyond what our earthly eyes can see. And may we be reminded that we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers, evil rulers, and authorities of the unseen world, and against mighty powers in this dark world. So thank you for tuning in. I know this one was kind of a a bit heavy, but we need heavy. You know, we need to be reminded as we look at King Saul, and King Saul... Sadly, King Saul charted a path that none of us want to follow. And isn't that a shame? But through his life, we can learn. We can be reminded of the pattern that we don't want to emulate. And we can be reminded that we do not need to, in any way, shape, or form, entertain the dark side because how many out there believe that they can live a life of pure evil and that either they're going to go to heaven when they die or they're going to go to hell and it's just going to be one big long party for eternity That is not in any way, shape, or form what God's word says. So, take some time this week. Ask the Lord to reveal to you any areas of your life which are portals for evil. 
and not only ask him to reveal, but then beg him for the courage to do whatever it is you need to do in order to make sure that you are not susceptible or if you already have strongholds that you work with his Holy Spirit to banish them from your life. As we pray most every week, I pray that God will search you and know your heart, that he will test you and know your anxious thoughts, that he will point out any offensive way in you, and he will lead you in the way everlasting. Thank you for tuning in. Again, this podcast is free for you to share with others. You may not, you may think, oh, this is, you know, this is not applicable like this. You know, my friends, they wouldn't have anything to do with this. And yet, they may be dabbling in something that you have no idea. If God lays them on your heart, please share it with them. Would love to also have you in our Facebook group, Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me at Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus at gmail.com. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.